0: It happened. Facebook reported numbers, and boy, oh boy, did Wall Street did not like to hear it? We kind of called it here on this podcast, like we've talked about how the ad revenue side of things was going to be affected in a lot of ways. But today, Wall Street is having a fun day digesting the numbers that Facebook just released. I mean, Wall Street was probably expecting Facebook to do pretty well overall, but ironically, they didn't. And we'll talk a little bit more of that later on this podcast. But, you know, Wall Street believes that tech right now is kind of not the industry to be in. So I've always learned personally, and this is not financial advice, obviously, I've always learned that whatever Wall Street isn't always talking about, like if they say, oh, the tech industry is not the best place to be, that it might be time. And like I said, it's not financial advice. It might be time to look into the tech sector because whatever Wall Street says, if you do the opposite, you might actually get ahead of them because they're always behind on everything because they only they only like the shiny stocks that are fun and exciting at all times. But today's news that we're going to cover. First off, we got earnings report from the oil giant Shell and they've got some crazy news to be able to spin out and it comes at a time when tomorrow when ExxonMobil and Chevron report earnings and what it could mean for Chevron and ExxonMobil potentially. Then we got some bad news actually from a bank, actually. Credit Suzy shares plunged 14% on bank announcement, huge third quarter loss and strategic overhaul, which is interesting because this is another Swedish bank and UBS did really well the other day. So when one bank's not doing well, that kind of raises some interest, at least in my opinion. Then we got some IPO news that Mobileye pops more than 37% in market debut after spinning out of Intel. I... I personally need to, we'll talk more about it in a second with Mobileye, but Mobileye I think is a really fascinating company in the making. And finally, like I said, we'll talk about Meta later today in this podcast about what's going on with Meta and what could potentially happen with the Meta company going forward. With that being said, I have to remind you all, like I said at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor, and everything I talk about on this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company, as you're not guaranteed to make money within the stock market. I cannot legally give you any financial advice. That's why you must go talk to your professional advisor. And everything I talk about on this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Oil giant Shell reveals plans to hike dividend as quarterly profits more than double. Wow. From CNBC, British oil major Shell on Thursday reported that quarterly profits more than doubled from the same period last year, but the lower refining and trading revenues brought an end to its run of, of record earnings. Shell posted adjusted earnings of $9.45 billion for those three months through the end of September, meeting analysis expectations of $9.5 billion according to Refinitiv. The company posted adjusted earnings of $4.1 billion over the same period a year earlier, and not a whopping $11.5 billion for the second quarter of 2022. The oil giant said it's planned to increase its dividend per share by around 15% for the fourth quarter 2022 to be paid out in March of 2023. It also announced a new share buyback program, which is set to result in additional $4 billion in distributions, and it is expected to be completed by the next earnings release. Shares of Shell rose 3% during morning trading in London. The firm's stock price is up over 42% year-to-date. The London-headquartered oil major reported consecutive quarters of record profits for the first six months of the year, benefiting from the sur- surging commodity prices following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It has coincided with the calling with the calls for higher taxes on the bumper prof- profits of British of Britain's biggest oil and gas companies, particularly at a time when the company faces a deepening cost of living crisis. Shell warned in an update earlier this month that lower refinery and chemicals margins are weaker gas trading were likely to negatively impact third quarter earnings. On Thursday, the company said a recovery in global product supply had contributed to lower refining margins in the third quarter and that gas trading earnings had also fallen. Quote, the trading and optimism contributions were mainly impacted by the combination of seasonality and supply constraints, uh, coupled with sustainable differences between paper and physical Uh, Resalutations in a volatile and dislocated market, Shell said in its earnings release. And then, of course, they asked, what about the renewable investments? Shell CEO Ben Van Burden said in a statement that the firm's robust results come at a time on ongoing market energy volatility. We continue to strengthen Shell's portfolio through disciplined investment and transform the company for a low-carbon future. At the same time, we're working closely with governments and customers to address their short and long-term needs, he added. In the first nine months of the year, Shell's investment in its renewable and energy solutions sector came to around $2.4 million, roughly 14% of the total cash capital expenditures of $17.5 billion. Notably, follow the founder, Mark Van Bale, said Shell's renewables and energy solutions investments include natural gas, a fossil fuel. You can't claim to be, tra- to be in transition if less than 14% of your investments is going to new renewable energy businesses. And at least 86% of your investments remain tied to old fossil fuel, said Van Ball. Without presenting a clear breakdown, it remains unclear how many how much Shell's actual investments is renewable energy. Van Bell added, we still don't see Shell using this once in a lifetime opportunity to invest in diversification to ensure the long-term future of the company. And apparently there's changes in leadership happening as the current CEO is stepping down, as of the reporting of this article. You know, oil companies. Tomorrow, tomorrow, uh, Chevron and ExxonMobil report. I don't know if it's before or after the bell, but I do know they're reporting their numbers. And I expect oil companies, especially those two, to do pretty well, And all honestly, And the only reason I firmly believe that is, well, oil's still in demand. There's not enough of it out there. Not enough drilling happening so I expect it to happen. I don't expect Exxon to be able to say in their current report or Chevron to be like, I don't think they can raise their dividend currently right now. I think they already did that earlier this year. Will they do more share buybacks? Probably. I can say this though. I do expect some politician to be like, see, look, the oil companies care more about their shareholders than you, fellow citizens, but I will fight for you. Midterms are coming up. So pay attention to what's happening in the market, pay attention to what's happening in politics, and you'll have an idea of where things are really going. You know, oil companies weren't making money for the longest time. I mean, they were making money, they just weren't making like this insane amount of money the last few years. Exxon Mobil in particular, I remember, had a lot of debt on hand at least a few years back. Now they're doing really well. So but pay attention to what's happening out there, especially in these oil markets currently right now. Don't be surprised if if our lovely President Joe Biden here in the United States actually says, yeah, blame the oil companies for your high gas prices, and we're trying everything in our power. They're just being greedy. Just wait. It'll probably happen, especially if they crush their earnings again. They will be brought up in a, in a political event soon, potentially. So on to the next report, Credit Suzy shares plunge 14% as bank announces huge third quarter loss and strategic overhaul. Credit Suzy shares plunged more than 14% on Thursday after the Swiss bank posted a quarterly loss that was significantly worse than analysis estimates and announced a massive strategic overhaul. The embedded lender posted a third quarter net loss of 4.034 billion Swiss francs, which is 4.9 billion in, I guess, US dollars, compared to analysis expectations for a loss of 563.93 million Swiss uh, francs. The figure was also known below the 434 million Swiss franc profit posted for the same quarter last year. The bank noted that the loss reflected a 3.655 billion Swiss franc impairment relating to their reassessment of deferred tax assets as a result of the comprehensive strategic review. Under pressure from investors, the bank revealed a major overhaul of its business and a bid to address the underperformance in its investment banking and following a raft in litigation costs that have hammered earnings. New CEO told CNBC on Thursday it represents the beginning of a transformation into a new credit Suzy. As widely anticipated strategic shift, the bank vowed to radically restructure its investment bank to significantly cut its exposure to risk-weighted assets, which are used to determine a bank's capital requirements. It also aims to cut its cost base by 15% or 2.5 billion Swiss francs by 2025. The bank expects to incur restructuring charges of 2.9 billion Swiss francs by the end of 2024. The transformation plan will see Credit Suzy split off its investment bank into an independent business called CS First Boston, raised $4 Swiss franc in capital through the uh, issuance of new shares and the right offering and credit of capital releases units to win down lower return non-strategic business. The aim is to reduce risk-weighted assets and leverage exposure by 40% each year, the course of the restructure, while the bank also sets out to allocate almost 80% capital to wealth management, Swiss bank asset management, and markets by 2025. Speaking to CBC, the, uh, the I believe this, this is the CEO, said the bank will be much more stable with more sustainable profit, much less simple in how it is set up. And for us, it is the most important thing And was how did we come to the solution? We started actually with the client need and we designed everything around the client needs and ended up with what we're proposing today. You know, like I said, it's interesting. Most of these bank stocks are doing really, really well, especially they're, I'm assuming UBS is a competitor in Swiss. In Switzerland, I guess, not Swiss. Yeah, in Switzerland. So UBS is probably a competitor. And the fact that UBS did really, really well and yet Credit Suzy did not, kind of is a little worrisome. Is it that the leadership doesn't know what they're doing? That's a a possibility. Could it also be, too, that they had a lot of bad loans they gave out? That's also another possibility as well. You know, a lot of banks, when they give out loans, they don't give out loans unless they figure out they're going to be able to make money. Or maybe they gave out so much in loans this last quarter because it doesn't really say why they fully went down. Maybe they gave out so many loans last quarter that it's like in the future they'll have better profit margins. It's an interesting thought to think about okay and all honestly maybe they gave out so much money because I know for instance like JP Morgan Chase when they reported earnings they had said that they that they, they were getting more deposits into their banks and that they're able to keep it there because they got a lot of their money up based off interest if I'm not mistaken listen to past the past podcast about JP Morgan Chase if you want to know the more details behind it but at least right now this credit card company, not going to do well for the time being. Maybe they just, like I said, maybe they gave up too much money. Or maybe they just don't have a good leadership program. Hard to tell, but yeah. It's first bank, I think. Actually, no, this is the second bank that has been doing well in reporting earnings. Maybe there'll be another one soon. We'll report it when we see it. Continuing on in the tech industry. Like I said earlier in this podcast, Wall Street believes tech is kind of dead right now, like dead in the water. And they think it's a bad time to be investing in tech. And like I said, in this podcast earlier, this is in financial advice, obviously, but usually if you do the opposite of what wall street does, you might be able to get ahead of them on what's coming. Okay. So here's, here's the, the tech industry, mobile eye pops more than 37% in market debut after spinning out of Intel. Mobileye shares closed up more than 37% in their stock market debut on Wednesday after the mark- maker of the technology for self-driving cars was spun out of Intel. In a year that's, ha- that's seen no significant tech IPOs in the US, Mobileye offers investors an opportunity to get in an area of growth, but it's not a new name for the market. Mobileye was traded before Intel uh, bought the Israeli company in 2017 for $15.3 billion at its IPO price of $21. Mobileye was valued at just $17 billion, resulting in the minimal gains for Intel thus far. The stock trading under the ticker symbol MBLY rose to $27.85 on Wednesday. Intel will retain control of Mobileye and hold over 750 million shares of Class B stock, which has 10 times the voting power of the Class A stock. The company said in an October 18 filing that it expects the offering to be priced between $18 and $20 per share. The The IPO raised about $860 million. $861 861 million and the move to list on Mobileye on the Nasdaq is part of Intel's broader strategy to turn around its core semiconductor business which has been lagging behind rivals like AMD and Nvidia in recent years. Intel said it would use some of the funds from the Mobileye listing to build more chip factories as it embarks on a capital intensive process to become a founder of other chip makers. However, Mobileye's market cap is far below Intel's earlier expectations, the latest signs that the tech investors have cooled on IPOs and have readjusted their valuations for the frothy days of the past half decade as interest rates rise and the economy slows. Founded in 1999, Mobileye has partnered with Audi, BMW, Volkswagen, GM, and Ford to develop advanced driving and safe features such as driving assist and lane keeping using the company's IQ camera chips a correction, IQ camera, chips, and software. Mobileye CEO said in an IPO following that 50 companies are currently using the company's technology across 800 vehicles. And this is revenue in the second quarter jumped 41% to 460 million, net loss narrowed to 7 million from 21 million. You know, I remember looking into Mobileye. This was back at the time when I was really starting to get more into investing a little bit more. And I remember looking into Mobileye and actually like studying the technology of this company. And I found it super fascinating. Like for instance... One of the things I found the most interesting was they would put like these side cameras on the side of buses. This was part of mobile eyes technology. They put these cameras on the side, on the side of the buses. So I guess bus drivers can see around them so that they don't hit bicycle, bicyclists or people who are just walking out on the street. Right. It was a really fascinating technology, at least at the time. I still think, no, this is not financial advice. I think mobile eye is going to help with the car industry. or self-driving technology, Because it's one thing where a lot of car companies have been making it and apparently right now there's no revenue coming in for self-driving cars, at least from what I've been reading, at least what I've been hearing might not be true, need to do more research in the future probably, but mobile eye might be what's needed in order to get the self-driving revolution to happen for cars. Okay, their technology is extremely fascinating, okay? Like they, their, their whole thing is self-driving technologies and adding extra cameras to cars and having sensors. And so Mobileye might be, I mean, like we said, they're working with Audi, BMW, Volkswagen, GM, and Ford. So how much longer until they work with like a Tesla or how much longer until they work with, what are some other car company names? Mm, Toyota, Honda, Hyundai. I mean, there's a lot of growth opportunity for Mobileye potentially. Like I said, this isn't financial advice, but the technology that they have is extremely fascinating. Go check their website, actually. It'll give you a better idea of what their technology is like, and it'll give you an idea of why I find their technology just a little bit interesting. Finally, now I getting into meta. Oh, boy. Did we call it here on this podcast? Meta shares plummet on weak fourth quarter forecast and earnings miss shares continued their 2022 freefall, plunging 19% in extended trading on Wednesday after Facebook Parent issued a weak forecast for the fourth quarter and came up well short of Wall Street expectations for earnings. Earnings per share was $1.64 versus $1.89 expected, according to Refinitiv. Refinitiv is also reporting a $27.71 billion versus a $27.38 billion expected. Daily active users is $1.98 billion versus 1.9 billion. billion. Nine, Nine, eight billion expected. So they met their user, that's pretty good to see. Monthly active users 2.96 billion versus 2.94 billion expected. So they beat monthly users. That's pretty good for Meta. And finally, average revenue per user $9.41 versus $9.83 expected, okay? Meta is contending with a broad slowdown in online ad spending, challenges from Apple's iOS privacy update and increased competition from TikTok. Added up, and Meta has posted consecutive quarters of revenue declines and is expected to post a third straight drop in the fourth quarter. The company said revenue for the fourth quarter will be $30 billion to $32.5 billion. Analysis, we're expecting sales of $32.2 billion. While revenue fell 4% in the third quarter, Meta's costs and expenses rose 19% year-over-year year to $22.1 billion. Operating income declined 46% from the previous year and $5.66 billion. Meta's operating margin for the profits left after accounting for costs to run the business sank to 20% from 36% a year earlier. Overall net income was down 52% to 4.4 billion in the third quarter. After hours levels of $108, Meta's trading at its lowest since March, 2016, which is eight months before the election of Donald Trump was president. Yeah, at least before uh, getting onto this podcast today, they were showing Facebook on uh, <laughs> on Wall Street. And I guess it was at like $101 a share. I don't know where it is at currently right now, but meta got hammered hard. And one of the reasons being probably Wall Street just doesn't understand the metaverse, which is fine. I mean, I don't fully understand the metaverse as well, but Mark Zuckerberg believes the metaverse is the future when it comes to for meta. Okay. It says here, meta plans to lose even more money building the metaverse while it's ads business shrinks. Okay. Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg reiterated his commitment to spending billions of dollars developing the Metaverse amid investor concern about the health of the company's online advertising business. On a call with analysis as part of Meta's third quarter earnings report, Zuckerberg and other Meta executives fielded a number of questions from analysis who sounded increasingly uh, frustrated with the company's rising costs and expenses, which jumped 19% year over year to $22.1 billion during the quarter. MetaShares tanked 24% Thursday morning, the day after the company reported weak fourth quarter guidance below analysis esp- estimates. The Facebook parent company Meta uh, slipped 4% year over year to $27.7 billion in the third quarter, while its profit plummeted 52% to $4.4 billion. Meta's Reality Labs unit, which is responsible for developing the virtual reality and, re- and related augmented reality technology that underpins the yet-to-be-built Metaverse, has lost $9.4 billion so far in 2022. Revenue in that business unit dropped nearly 50% year over year to 285 million, which Meta's chief financial officer Dave Weiner attributes to lower quest to sales. Quote, we anticipate the reality labs operating loss in 2023 will grow significantly year over year, Meta said in a statement beyond 2023. We expect the pace reality labs investments such that we can achieve our own goal of growing overall company operating income in the long term. Brent Thill, analysis that Jeffrey said during the earnings call that investors are likely feeling as if there are too many experimental bets versus proven bets on the core, and asked why Meta believes the experimental bets like the metaverse will pay off. Quote, I think that there's a difference between something being experimental and not knowing how good it's going to end up, being Zuckerberg said in response, but I think a lot of things that we're working on across the family of apps were quite confident that they're going to work and be good. He added, citing the company's working, improving its TikToks like Reels, short video services, its content recommendation, algorithms, business messaging features, and online advertisement technologies. Although Zuckerberg said he can't tell you right now how big they're going to scale to be, each improvement is kind of going in the right direction. Zuckerberg said it's obviously the metaverse is a long-term set of efforts that we're working on, and he thinks that this is going to end up working too. Sounding uh, flabbergasted, Zuckerberg said, there are a lot of things going on right now in the business and in the world, and it's hard to have simply, we're going to do this one thing, and that's going to solve the issues. Meta is facing a number of challenges, like its poor economy, the lingering effects of Apple's 2021 iOS privacy updates that made it harder for Meta to target ads to users and competition from players like TikTok, Zuckerberg said. Long term investors into the metaverse are going to provide greater returns over time, he said. And I agree. And disclosure, I forgot to mention this earlier in this podcast. I do have shares in Chevron, uh, ExxonMobil, and Facebook. They're all, I mean, Meta, I guess it's called. They're all long term positions. But I do agree with Zuckerberg on this. The metaverse is potentially the next big thing. Okay. And the only reason I believe that currently, right now, is the metaverse is also a gaming platform. Okay. And we've read in past podcasts that Lowe's is wanting to use the metaverse to be able to build out projects online before you actually have to build it. It would save a lot of material costs too, right? If you can see it from a virtual reality standpoint and how you want things to look and it will give us, I mean, it's going to have to potentially force the construction industry to have to get into technology too, which I'm curious to know if the college industry is going to, not the college industry, (laughs) that's funny. If colleges are going to have to use the metaverse too to train the future architects to be able to use. But we know for a fact that Lowe's is getting in the metaverse. And I believe, yeah, it was Walmart. Walmart's also getting in the metaverse as well, which Walmart's a little suspicious because all it's going to do is give a shopping experience at Walmart, right? But in reality, I was like, why don't you just turn the shopping experience to be like, do you want to buy this product in real life when you're trying to buy it in like your, your world that you're doing. Right. Or maybe if people are doing projects online, like, like with Lowe's, for instance, right? Like you're building your project. And as you're building your project, it's keeping track of every cost that it would cost to make your project. And then at the end of when you're done building your project, maybe you press a button that says, Hey, I need these supplies so I can start building this project that I want. It'd be interesting to see how the metaverse gets used, but part of it's gaming. Okay. And I mean, as someone, like I've said, who sometimes jumps into the VR chat world when my buddies want to go into VR chat, I don't always participate because sometimes the metaverse feels too too real sometimes. But it's it's where potentially a lot of young people might go in the future. It's where young people might just put on a virtual headset and jump into their world and build how they want. It's kind of like the new Minecraft in the making if you think about it too, because you're able to build these worlds on any way you want it to be. Whereas Minecraft, like everything's block shape and you have to build things based off blocks. In the metaverse, you can actually build things to actually look like what you're trying to build. Or you can make actual video games as well too. Some creators do that as well. So there's a chance, I mean, there's probably currently out there too, if you think about this as well, there's probably someone out there who's making a game in the metaverse that we don't even know about that's going to become popular, okay? I mean, that's kind of like how Skyrim was big back in the day and whatever the kids were playing a few years back. Roadblocks is a big one right now too, obviously. But there's probably a, a developer right now who's doing something in the metaverse where soon a lot of kids are going to flock to the metaverse because it's the cool hip game to play, okay? Okay. That's going to get interesting to to see when that comes. And when that does, I think Wall Street will eventually do catch on to what's happening with Zuckerberg and his vision. But it also makes me wonder too, maybe that's where Mark Zuckerberg sees opportunity is he's going to end up just buying out these creators online and make them part of the meta company. And therefore, he doesn't have any competition. I wouldn't bet fully against Mark Zuckerberg just yet. He might seem crazy right now. But at the end of the day, You gotta remember, Mark Zuckerberg, he was making a company that was getting close to a trillion dollars at one point. Just purely off a social media network and ads. Now, granted, they've lost their, they've lost a lot of their market capitalization right now. But as of right now, I wouldn't question Mark Zuckerberg. I would just wait to see what he what he does. I mean, he's he's pretty smart. His, I believe his mentor is also Bill Gates. And everyone knows who Bill Gates is. So he's probably talking to him about ideas and what to do with the metaverse. Can't prove it. Just the thought. But don't question Mark Zuckerberg. At least not right now. Let's see what he has to offer. And then we can question him later on this podcast. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast so you'll be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street and share with friends or family as they will get the news as well. Our next segment will be coming up shortly as we got more news to report on today as well. With that being said, thank you for listening to this segment of the podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.